Welcome back to another podcast of, yeah, we're working on it. Uh, today we're going to talk about idolatry. And uh, we're going to work on that too, so. Yeah, because everybody, everybody does it. Oh man, it's it's so weird because, you know, you think, um, you'd think it'd be like actual physical religious idols like you might see in uh, more polytheistic cultures like Hinduism or something, but it really doesn't take much to have an idol in your life. Um, uh, whenever I was in youth, we had a poster. There's actually two posters uh, in there, and it showed a picture of a guy standing next to a golden calf, like what you read about in um, Exodus, whenever the Israelites uh, left Egypt and on their way to the Promised Land. they, While Moses was up on the mountain talking to God, they decided to build a melt all, the, all their jewelry, make a golden calf, and worship it. And it's just kind of like, it's like, I just led you into the promised lands, and you're melting down to make a cow. Yeah. And so a lot of us think that idols are that overt, overt and that obvious and that much of a religious symbol, but they're really not. And the poster, it said, what is your cow's name? And on one, it showed the calf, and on the other side, it showed a sports car. And even then, they're not even that big. You know, an idol can literally be anything and it doesn't have to be a tangible thing it can be an idea it can be a way you like to do things can become an idol for you and it's anything that's taking precedence over your day-to-day that's outside of christ yeah really but like more so obsesses the mind yeah right so for those of you who are getting idolatry and adultery mixed up we're not talking about cheating on your wives today. Of course, I mean, in a way, though... That could be one. It still could be, you know? That could be one. I mean, don't get me wrong. The S-E-X word is a big one. What uh, word is that? Uh, S-E-X. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, uh, you can look up the enunciation is later. Is that the bounce chicka wow word? <laughs> bounce chicka wow wow. Yeah. yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that one. I mean, you you could link the two, but just for sake of simplicity and not going on for, I mean, we're not going to make this a six hour because nobody's going to listen to that, even on a six hour drive. I don't even think I would re-listen to that. No, it just wouldn't be. Like, that's a lot of talking. That's a lot of talking. But if you really look at it, I mean, how long have you and I really been talking? Not long. Like, not on this podcast, but beforehand. Dude, we've been talking since 5 o'clock. Yeah, but we've been moving from place to place, so. Yeah, there's been new scenery, new subject matters. But we're getting this out of our reading from last week of the book of Hosea. And this is really starts at the idolatry of Israel on Hosea chapter 4, verse 11. So, and we left off last week's podcast kind of wanting to do a segment on idolatry. So here we are, we're going to, we're going to roll into it. Um, you know, like I talked about on the last podcast, one of my, one of my things that took a lot of precedence over Christ at the time was deer hunting, archery, camouflage, and anything that revolved around those three things. Yeah. And it, it the, the easiest way to find out if something is an idol in your life is stop and just think how much effort do I put into this? How much thought do I put in this? How proud am I of this? And how much 
do I talk about this? Yeah. If it's just something you casually mention, like, oh, yeah, I have a pair of pants I like. But it made me feel... That's probably not an idol. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't want to skirt the issue. It made me feel so good. Like, knowing that I had the best bow that I was building and, and, and gauging my own arrows and my targets were... I mean, dude, I have three Robin Hood arrows already. People wait lifetimes for those. I have three up on my wall. I mean, I'm not talking five-yard shots. I'm talking like 50 plus. And there's a difference between being proud of an accomplishment or something like that and idolatry. It's just the line is never the same in a lot no. of situations. Like No, like it was an obsession. Like an obsession. I would go, when I got home from work, I would, hi honey, boop, run out the back door and go shoot my bow and just like worship it in a way. It's crazy how obsessed football. Oh, big time. Football is like, for me, I could slip into that really quickly with the best football team in the world. (laughs) The Ohio State. I mean, it's ridiculous how fast I can slip whoop right into that idolatry category with a football team. And not only that, you have an Ohio State tattoo, so I do. So it doesn't really help if you go away from that. I do. And I didn't even go to Ohio State. But it's you know, I mean, I have two tattoos, right? And um I mean I will never get another one. We'll just say that. One, it's a waste of money. Two, it's it, it's a tarnishment of my skin that I didn't want to think about. But you just have to have those things. So See, I don't have one. And people ask, you know, why don't you want to get a tattoo? And I say, well, have you ever seen a bumper sticker on a Rolls Royce? <laughs> there you go, buddy. Funny story about a Rolls Royce. I read this in Car Magazine. This guy bought a brand new Rolls Royce, was cruising in the desert from, oh, I think it was California to Las Vegas. And his Rolls Royce broke down in the middle of the desert. And he called Rolls Royce and he said, uh, excuse me, I just bought this car and it broke down. And they said, no problem, sir. We'll be there in a minute. He's like, I'm in the middle of the desert. And then he hears, and sure enough, there's a helicopter comes to lands and these mechanics get out like a SWAT team would. They fix his car and then they print out a receipt and they say, here's your bill. He said, wait a minute. There, there, there's nothing, there's, there's, there's no value on here. And he said, sir, Rolls Royces do not break down. <laughs> they got back in their chopper and left and he got to Las Vegas. Yeah. Scooter told that one in church one day. Oh, did he? He did. Years ago. Except his wasn't in the desert. His was in the middle of town. And in his version, they didn't even give him a receipt. They just left. And then he called inquiring about a receipt. And then they were like, we didn't work on it because they never break down. Hmm. But that's beside the point. Makes, Same point. Makes me wonder the legitimacy of the article I read. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of like the Maytag man. Maytag repairman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I love those commercials. Yeah. I like the I like the we can't stop you from becoming your parents commercials. <laughs> that's a nice spanner wrench there, Steve. You hired him. You hired him. <laughs> anyway. Don't don't say anything.
Don't. Don't see. It's blue. It's blue. Anyway, we're, we're going and you're talking about, you know, football and whatnot and how that is. Probably, I think, in today's world, actually, my own personal, I guess, my, my idol, we talked about in the last one, is my iPod and my music library. Yeah. I have gotten to the point that if I lose it. What about your movies? You know, movies I'm okay with. Like, I just like having those, but I don't, they don't like really. Like, if they got stolen tomorrow, you'd be okay? I, I mean, it, I'd be irritated, but, yeah. I mean. You wouldn't, you wouldn't flip? Flip a switch. I'd be pretty irritated, but I mean, nothing like losing your iPod. No, like I, it fell out of my pocket and was uh, under a couch cushion. I didn't realize I had it. I was ready to like look up every criminal in town and find out where they lived and just start going burning houses down. Like I was like at that level. Of- yeah, like I said in our last podcast, I've literally thought about locking you up, like putting <laughs> throwing you in your room chaining your door to something so you could never open it and like steel shutters on your window it was that bad yeah i if i and so it's like and there were times um like a year ago uh there's actually a company in i want to say kansas city but i'm probably wrong maybe it was wichita i can't remember anyway somewhere up that way anyway they work on them it's called a eye rescue and they'll work on older products and I kept having to send it back because it'd come back and something wasn't right. Turns out it ended up being one of those just easily overlooked things, but all the while I didn't have it. And you might think like, that's not a weird thing. It's like, I mean, I just listen to music on my phone, but the thing about, you know, if you have the iPhone, you know, you have music on there and then Apple will just go, you know what? You didn't download that song. You never put that song on there. We'll just delete that. And it just drove me nuts. And then on top of that is if I don't have a specific library, I can sit there and work with, I'm just going to listen to the same four songs over and over and over again. It's just like one of those, I need it, you know? Yeah, we found out today. We're going into OCD territory. <laughs> we found out today that your iPod's not formatted to play in a newer vehicle. No, it's not. Actually, I kind of already knew that, and I had kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. That so. was sad. Well, the upside was is I got to charge it. Yeah. Um, And my truck, I have a USB port... Uh, uh, auxiliary cord combo thing and the USB quit working. Um, oh. Yeah, so I can't. But you can just plug in the three yeah, and a half. Yeah, just use the three and a half millimeter jack to play it. The downside is, is you don't realize how much battery you use. And my battery's twelve years old, which they're better than the newer ones. It's lasted longer than the newer ones. Well, of course, because Apple cared back then. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, so it it got it got a little juice. So that's so the one thing. You know, going into more depth of me, like, so yours is your iPod. Mine is definitely my bow. Like, not even my football team anymore. Because, let me, let me tell you a funny story about my football team. So, when I was living with the Thibodeaux, there was a big game. It was the Big Ten Championship against Ohio State and Michigan. It was, I think it was like six years ago. And Ohio State actually lost that game. And I threw the biggest hissy fit. That Callie came out and she was like, hey, I want, we're going to go to dinner. Do you want to go? And I said, no, y'all go. I'm going to stay here. She goes, fine, sit here and pout. And I said, I will. Like, that's my team. And they just lost. And uh, let me just put this in retrospect. The last 10 years, Ohio State has only lost like five games. (laughs) They don't lose often. And when they do, it's usually a big game. And it's just... It it kills me. 
fast forward. See, I would have made that substantially worse because I wouldn't have been like, hey, we're going to dinner. I would have walked up and been like, hey, big guy, you want to go to Sonic? <laughs> you want to get a Route 44? No, I don't want a Route 44. You want some jalapeno poppers? No cheddar peppers. You want a peanut butter and bacon shake? That sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, fast forward. The day Jarrett is born, Ohio State is playing uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I'm sitting here holding my newborn son, and Ohio State loses to the Hawkeyes. I looked at him. I looked at the TV. And then I looked at Callie. And I said, we might need to give him back. (laughs) (laughs) If he's going to make my team start losing, that's not a good thing. Well, I mean, the good thing is they've only lost like two games since then. So he's, he's been pretty good. And so um, wait, you heard the TV go, look at the TV. Now look at your baby. Now look at me. Now look at your wife. Now back to me. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And, uh, so the first game we ever really got at home, we got to experience was the Ohio State Michigan game, the game, and of course he slept through the entire thing. I'm usually yelling, screaming, kicking, whatever's in the vicinity of the TV on that game, and for some odd reason I just sat there and held him and it was quiet the entire four quarters, and at that moment I realized. Okay, football game is not that important anymore. So now it's usually Callie that gets pretty riled up against the games. <laughs> She's like, you guys can play better than this. And I'm like, see how the tables have turned. But see, that's where you become the guy like, Callie, they are trying very hard. <laughs> These guys have put in a lot of work. That's right. I mean, a lot of work. You don't know what their practice schedule is like. I mean, they got to go to class, and that's just stressful. And maybe they don't have the teacher that passes them along or maybe has given the same three tests for the past 40 years. You know, you don't know if they've done that. It's Ohio State. I'm pretty sure that test has been around since 1863. <laughs> just so the football team can... Concentrate on football. Uh, Professor, why does our history test not cover anything past the Civil War? Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's going back, you know, still today. You know, the one thing that I would say if if I did have an idolatry type item, it's my bow because I won't let anybody touch it. I won't let anybody use it. Like, I am just completely and utterly obsessed with that item. And it really came to my heart a couple of years ago when we were talking about it in church that everything that you possess, would you mind giving it up in the name of Christ? And I'm like, I almost had a panic attack there in the, in the pew. I'm like, I don't like think I'd let anybody touch my boat. It's very, it's very convicting to hear something like that. And, you know, we all have things, but, you know, some people say, you know what, I can just learn to live without it. But what if it wasn't a tangible thing that was your idol? Because I think one of the biggest idols today in our world is politics. I think people hold their political ideologies up so much that they seem to want to, what's the word I'm looking for, isolate themselves from others who don't have this same thing. I mean, you know, you can look up the definition of a cult. You can look up what a religious idol would be. You can even look up what a religion is, and you can look at the whole political spectrum, and you can say, you know what, that is exactly what that is. 
And the thing about it is it's so easy to do without it. You know, I mean, who cares if a state representative in Montana wrote a bill to do something? Who cares if that happened? You know, who cares if a congressman from Wisconsin is writing it? It's not going to have any major effect on your life. And we put so much time and energy into it that we, you know, we hurt our friendships. We focus more on them than we focus on God. I mean, it's Look just, at this new this election that just yeah. rolled out. I mean, literally families divided. Yeah. Over something that over has what? zero impact on their lives. I mean, I had a I had a uh, history teacher when I was in college and it was around an election. I, it was um I forget who it was. I think it would have been the first time Barack Obama was running. Um, but he told us, he goes, guys, don't invest too much in this election because most of your election that you need to be, um, really paying attention to are local elections because that's, that has more bearing on your life than presidential or anything like that. I mean, and I know there's going to be people out there who disagree with that statement, but I do agree with it. Like I'm paying more attention to who's in my courthouse down the street than I am who's in the Supreme Court because I don't intend to go to the Supreme Court a lot. I don't know about you. But, I mean, I don't plan on going to my courtroom down the down the road a lot. No. But I want to know at least the person who's in there. Yeah. Because that directly could affect me. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I got on Facebook and, uh, you know, I it, it puts you in a bad mood. And that's the whole purpose of it. But I just got on there and I used the snooze feature and just every politician, political page, anything, I just snoozed them for 30 days. And you'll find like, man, how much time did that take up? Like how much did I spend reading these articles or reading these posts and so on and so forth? And you realize just how much of an idol that is in your life. And it's just astonishing and I'm actually looking for a passage. I wasn't ignoring you and looking at Oh, yeah, phone. I know. I know he was, you were looking something yeah, up. I was trying to find a... Uh, we don't have the budget for a fact checker or a um, uh, a person who sits on their computer and looks things up for us just yeah. yet. But if you want to send us money to help for that, we're always <laughs> open for it. Or if you want to send us money for uh, jalapeno poppers or cheddar peppers. That was a new thing I made this week. I saw. On, on Facebook. I'm proud of you for it. I'm like... I, I downloaded a meme maker, and I was like, oh, man, I know where I'm going with this one. Well, you see, the thing is, is you're getting there. I'm, you're not quite meme lord status yet. I'm working on it. You're working on it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know what's required of a, yeah, I'm working on a podcast. Bible and cheddar peppers. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the one of the things that kind of brings me comfort, because... You know, the whole political thing, the idea is to divide people so that way they, one, don't have to think for themselves. They just know that's the enemy. But the thing that always brings me comfort is I go back to Titus. Uh, Titus chapter 3, right at the beginning, is remind, and I'm reading from the NIV, that's remind remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward anyone. Um, the gist of it is obey the laws of the land. You know, we look so hard. We put so much energy in saying, you know, oh, they're going to pass this. That's not right. That's, you know what the Bible says? Just do what they say. And that's the one thing. That's my conviction as I have to sit there and go, okay, 
but yeah, there's really not much you're gonna do about it anyway. I <laughs> yeah. Mean, but you know, the good, the one thing I did, you know, read into that passage was, do we really need to be slanderous about anything? No. Like that's politics of today, though. Yeah, and not only that, slander would be lying, which, if unless I'm mistaken, I don't think we need a fact checker for that one. But I believe lying is on one of the Ten Commandments. Well, and if you really look at the way that political people go to arena. It's all about slander. Oh, big time. But, you know, it's so weird. We went to, um, I had the fortune uh, five years ago, five and a half years ago, to go to India. Long story short, um, myself. He and ate a lot of curry. I actually didn't eat a lot of curry. I ate a lot of chicken. A lot of what? Chicken. Tikka. See, we would say chicken tikka, but they say chicken. Tikka. <laughs> yeah, Brent and I got a good laugh out of it. But Brent and I went, we teamed up with a missionary who was already over there, um, whom we kind of knew already. And, you know, you'll go into houses of... Uh, was that Gene? No, it wasn't Gene, it was Eli. But we Eli. did hang out with Gene. Okay. We hung out with Gene, we hung out with New Delhi Cool Deep, and we hung out with uh, Daradoon Cool Deep. Gene, if you're listening to this podcast, we love you, brother. We appreciate everything you're doing over there for First Baptist Fedat. Uh, keep up the good work. Hope that this holiday season treats you and your pastors well. Thank you very much. But, uh, you know, we'd go into houses where people were saved, and you'd see, like, these holes cut out of the wall. Like, it was a platform, like, almost like a shelf, but it was just random. And you're like, what is that? And like, oh, that's where they put their idols. Because, you know, they'd go and they'd, I, I don't know the full Hindu process, but they, you know, they do stuff for their idols. They worship their idols and so forth. And then there's even people who've been saved that just keep them in their house just because they're so accustomed to having that. And, you know, we Americans, we go over there and we go, Oh, you know, these polytheistic people, they have their idols, but we have idols that are more important in our lives than theirs. Theirs is more of a routine. Ours is something we devote thought to. And not even that. I'm not taking up for Hinduism. But at least it's more of a religious theology. We have I- idols in our life that don't bring you anything. Uh, secular idols, yeah. Like, we just named a few. Politics, football, hunting, sporting events. I mean, there's so music. many... Music. <laughs> music. There's there's so many things in this world. Money, sex, power. There. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on in America. Yeah. I mean, literally, like Matthew said, we could sit and talk about this for about six hours if we really wanted of to. Of everything that is an idol and explain how it is and going. You know, I feel like it is one of the more overlooked um, seven, sins. Seven deadly, yeah. isn't it? Is it? Isn't? I'm not quite sure. We'll need a fact checker. Fact checker. Oh, fact checker. Oh, but, we don't have one. Anyway. But, I mean, it, it's one of those ones that gets mentioned a lot, and I feel like it gets overlooked. Uh, I think in the same way that Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments and the entire law in love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and treat your neighbor as yourself sums up all of it. I think, honestly, avoid idolatry sums up a lot of sin. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most famously misquoted passages is in First Timothy, I believe it's chapter 5. It's the probably one of the most misquoted passages ever, and it's the be careful for love for money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's interesting because greed is also one of those ones that can lead to so many things, but when you think about it, greed is idolatry. Yeah. You know, having wanting monetary value and stuff is 
making money your idol. And you want more and, and more. more. And not only that, and that's where your mind is, is it's thinking, how do I get more of this? Because this is the most important thing in my life. This is the thing I can't do without. Yeah, it's like the pursuit of happiness outside of Christ. Yeah. Really is what it is. And, you know, I mean, we're not some, we're not going in some hippie communism thing of, we don't need money, man, you know. I mean, obviously, oh, I <laughs> obviously you need some sort of monetary something to survive, but there's a point in which it's, you know, here I am to survive, here I am to be comfortable, and then here's the pursuit of I'm denying Christ, I'm denying everything around me for this one thing. There was a article that I read, I forget where it was, or maybe it was a podcast I was listening to, I don't remember, but they were going over CEOs who actually make like millions and millions of dollars that take all that money, reinvest it in their staff or their company, and they only take like home like sixty thousand a year. I'm like, that's cool. I would love to know what their story is behind that. But that's kind of what we're talking about is they could keep all that money. They could keep the millions and millions of dollars and just like Bill Gates and just let it pile up and be a chair. Like well, Bill Scrooge Gates actually McDuck. for the past twenty years, he and his wife have like given so much of their money to eradicate malaria. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But I mean like you could be like Scrooge McDuck yeah. and like have a have a golden chair you know, made of swim coins. in gold coins. Yeah. yeah. Or just to make you feel good. Or you could like what you're saying about Bill Gates real reinvest that back into doing something good or yeah. you know, for Christ. And, and what's interesting is, you know, you look at thing. you look at somebody like that, you know, he is He's openly uh, unaffiliated. We'll just say unaffiliated religiously. And, you know, you think, here I am, my person trying to devote a life to Christ or trying to get back to a devoted life uh, in Christ, and I'm not doing anything. Because you're a bum. Because <laughs> I'm a bum. <laughs> you know, you just sit there and think about how capable you are to do the Lord's work, and you don't. Yeah, you just sit there and watch Netflix. Yeah. On your brother-in-law's couch. On your brother-in-law's couch. But anyway, I found the verse I was looking for. At 4.30 for. in the afternoon while he's working. And learning about the rise of the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting documentary. Hey, there you go. What's the verse? Uh, it was actually First Timothy 6, not 5. Starting in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. For those who want to get rich and fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish, harmful, foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I think that, you know, when you were, when you were just talking about that verse, it really hit home of like part of my testimony. And we were talking about greatest fear a couple of Sundays ago. And how losing my job was probably the biggest, I love how I say job. Jab. Jab. 
But it's like, that should be the scariest thing in someone's life, especially when your house is basically running your income. And how that was less of a deal for me to to really harbor on than getting drunk and my wife almost walking out on me. That's, um, anybody listen to Christ, contemporary Christian music in the 90s might know of a band called uh, Big Tent Revival. Does that ring any bells? No. Well, their first single, or at least a single off their first album, was called Two Sets of Joneses, which told the story of two families, both the last name Jones, uh, one who was kind of a wealthy family, put their life in Christ and nothing else. In another family, they put their faith in money. And which family do you think, whenever the winds blew and the storms hit them and everything crashed down, there was uh, how many sets of Joneses were standing that day? Only one. And which one do you think it was? The one that put their faith in money or ones that put their faith in Christ? Well, the ones who were standing, I would think that would be the ones in Christ. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good song. Yeah. It's a good one. I would listen to it forever. I mean... That's the thing though, is like really if you're if you're if you are giving everything you have to Christ, there's almost nothing that can knock you down. No. Nothing. Yeah. At one point in the song, uh they both the family's names were Rothschild, Evelyn, and Reuben and Sue, which were Rothschild. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, you know, the other one, they have a kid and they're like <laughs> What are we going to do? We don't have the money. And they just said, you know what? Just put faith in Christ. And the guys at the factory took a collection and the kin got provided for bills they incurred. That's the lyrics of the song. That's kind of how I feel these days. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, you just say, you know, put your faith in God and just let things happen. Yeah. We, uh, we just went through a, a whole, um, we got an email this week at work that said, Inside sales transformation. And I was like, Uh oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Rut row. Uh, the last time I saw the word transformation, two days later, I lost my job. And I'm like, okay, whew, we could do this again. It's no big deal. Kelly's still at work. Yada, yada, yada. We could, we could do this again. And I'm like, warming up like I'm a boxer over here. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why are you worried about it this time? You weren't worried about it the first time, and it completely snuck up on you. Yeah, why are you worried about this time? I mean, like, we're even more prepared now than we were. So, you know, I'm like, again, I'm, I'm not really worried about it because I'm so grounded in my faith, nothing can shake me. You know, um, a lot of people right now are worried about COVID. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. Um, there's just a level of worry that's... There's a level of worry that is almost panicking. To some people, and I'm not going to lie, when, I, when that thing first came across the ocean and people were just dropping like flies. Because you're already, you know, you're part of the demographic who's at risk. Right. With type 1 diabetes, I'm, I'm you know, part of that uh, high risk category is what they call it. And, um, you know, my endocrinologist, you know, and my wife told me, she goes, <laughs> uh, we think if you catch this thing, you're not going to make it out alive just based on the research we had so early on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to leave you with a a three-year-old boy. I'm so sorry. So I was like super quarantined in the house. I wouldn't go anywhere. Wouldn't shower for like five days straight. Well, that, that was, that, that was probably for a different reason. 
Well, I forgot. Yeah. Well, people around you didn't forget. And yeah, man, that was that, like I'm like, why would you say something sooner? <laughs> like, I'm going, well, because usually when people don't shower, it's either the shower's broken or they're going through something. So you kind of give them some space. But after about a week, you go, all right, bro. Well, dude, I I had discovered it on my own. I went to brush my teeth and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, what's going? Yeah, this is completely off topic. But a friend of mine, I I call him Wounded Knees because even though that's the name of a U.S. government atrocity, but. <laughs> Uh, years ago, he was, I think this is maybe like nine years ago, he was playing soccer, he got chipped, and he tore his ACL, PCL, and meniscus in the same knee, like all at the same time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, uh... That's devastating. And then something happened, I don't, I'm not a doctor, you know, something like the muscles contracted around it, something made it hard to operate on, I'm not exactly sure, but he was in the hospital for a while, just laying in bed. And then he gets home, and he's on all kinds of painkillers, and he stank. I bet. So his dad and brother take him in the backyard, strip him naked, sit him in a chair, spray him with a water hose, and hand him a bar of soap. Hose him down. <laughs> oh, man. So if you had met to the seven-day mark. Yeah, I'm glad I discovered it on my own. But it, would have, it wouldn't have been a chair. It would have been a kiddie pool for you. I love getting in kiddie pools. That may sound weird. But, like, I'm not going to invest in a full-size pool in my backyard. There's just no point when the beach is, like, an hour from our house. Yeah. Well, to be fair, though, our beach does have flesh-eating bacteria in it. Every year. And there's, it, an, there's an article that comes out. And it's killed people. Yeah, like two. Mm, like two. two a year. Yeah. Anyway, um, we buy Jarrett a new kitty pool every year. And I'm like... Can we get like the three ring one so we can get a little bit more water in there for this beached whale over here? See, I told you, you said one day you're going to put it in the front yard. How y'all doing? <laughs> Not yet. It'd be like... Uh, when you're in the sweatpants stage. <laughs> <laughs> you caught you off guard there. <laughs> it would be like the episode of Duck Dynasty where Godwin gets his hot tub in the front yard. I got my hot tub. tub. I got my hot tub. Honestly, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, people make fun of it. Hey, man, I'm in a hot tub and you're not. That's fact. Like, have you seen that meme that goes around with a guy in a hot tub and he's got a rifle out? Oh, and, and the red hat? I mean, the orange hat? Like to shoot a deer yeah, or something? Yeah, actually, I put that one on my Instagram story earlier I'm today. Like, that's what I want out of life. You know, I have a friend of mine, uh, his wife, he's not, he grew up, he's older, he's in his 60s, and he grew up kind of in the city, and his wife grew up in the country. And uh, she told me, she goes, we were talking about stuff, and she goes, my uncle killed a deer and didn't even get out of his pajamas. They lived just so far out in the middle of nowhere that he just got up one morning, you know, had his coffee and whatever, and saw at the back door from the back porch a deer, Grabbed the rifle, opened the door, stood on the back porch, and boom! Why is that so hard for me to have? <laughs> like, why is it that we have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do the hour trek to get out in the woods? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it, clearly. Earlier in this podcast, I was talking about how deer hunting was one of my idolatry uh, subjects. But now I'm like... It's because you're getting older. Yeah, I think so. Like, this year was the first year I passed on as many deer as I did. <laughs> well, some of those weren't on purpose, though. Yeah, most of them were. Only two were not. Well, there's like four you walked in on, right? Well, 
Yeah, that was the first morning. I don't count those. Oh. Because I didn't really pass on them. They ran away. <laughs> so I'm talking like legit passed on deer. I passed on like 12 deer this year. Ooh, that's more deer than I've ever seen in Woodville. <laughs> and I, I called my dad and I called my sister. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, normally I'm just like, okay, you're legal. So you know what I think? That might be the man upstairs telling you, Wayne, you don't need to take down a deer. You need to put your nose here in that book. That's right. So that's what, like, your grandfather always gets on to me. Wait, if you want to see them deer, you, you got to stay in there all day. All day. All you got, day. You got to hunt more than one day a week. And I'm like, but Papa, I really like going to church. And I have a job. And I have a job. Well, yeah, but. And a yeah. wife and children. Well, even, you know, I'm talking like, he, want, he wants me to hunt on Sundays. And I'm like, I just can't do that. Like, I enjoy going to church and diving into the Word. Like you said, put your nose here. I enjoy doing that more than I do deer hunting now. One of the ways, though, going back to the actual topic, and <laughs> one of the ways, um, a good way to find out what your idols are and a way to combat them is fasting. Now, a lot of people say fasting, you know, take away food. Fasting, yes, is taking away food, but from a religious standpoint, fasting doesn't necessarily mean taking away food. It can mean taking something important in your life. Yeah, it just really means go without. And replace it with God. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are gamers, you know. A kind of a way to stay humble is to take something that you think is very consuming, time-consuming, thought-consuming, whatever, and just do without it for a day, two days, a week, a month, however long. And anytime you think, you know, say it's gaming, say it's like, you know, uh, normally at 5 o'clock I'll start gaming. It's like, well, 5 o'clock, you pray, you read scripture, you study theology, you sing hymns, you do something, you meditate, something that is replacing that with God. Or every time you think of something or you hear something, just if that, anything is in there. And, you know, if you think, just if you sit and analyze your life and say, you know what, I think this is an idol for me, humble yourself and fast from it. Another test is to see what would you give that to somebody in the name of Christ? That too. Or if, or could you just take it and just destroy it? Yeah, could you just be okay getting rid of it? Yeah. I mean, like Scooter, his famous thing is, he goes, I don't know how many cars I've just let random people borrow. Yeah. I mean, because he's like, this is not my car. This is the car Christ gave me in my life to help other people with. Yeah, and he lives close enough to the church that he could just ride his bike there. He knows plenty of people who he could call and say, hey, Johnny, can you give me a lift? Or, you know, hey, uh, Connie, can you give me a lift? Hey, there's... If you're talking about First Baptist Church, if you talk about Johnny, Connie, or Robert, or Cindy, you're talking about the majority of the church because we have so many people with that name. But We have a lot more people coming these days. We do. A lot of newer families, a lot of young couples coming in. Yeah, I was gone for almost five years, so yeah, things have changed. It's getting more robust at the church, and I like it. Yeah. Like our Sunday school is busting at the seams. We had to move the barista bar out in the hallway. First world problems. Hey man. Everybody's there to get their get their scripture and their you know, their weekly worship on. I'm in support of it. And I love that Scooter's doing it. Scooter shines in small groups. Yeah. Not I wouldn't say that he's not as good as a pastor. No, he's good at it. I, he's just 
I've always liked being in small groups with Scooter. I think he's just like the one-on-one time with him. Scooter's just a likable guy. He is. He's a great person. Yeah. And but I like the structure of the class that we're getting. I mean, and it's really it it takes it out of church because one thing I was listening to Unashamed, um, Phil and Jace Robertson's podcast earlier this week, and you know it's kind of like the old thing that I've I heard when I was in Boy Scouts, which don't. Don't get me started on the current state of Boy Scouts, well, but I was in them too. So, is you know they used to say, "Do you think scouting is one day a week?" You know, and I'm like replacing that with Christianity. Do you think being a Christian is one day a week? No, it's every day. It's all day, all and day or day. I mean, we're like we said, you know, what the book says. We're supposed to be a beacon in a dark place. I'm like. Uh, if we're not doing the right thing and we're not living by Christ's word and having his, you know, having love in our heart, then we're not going to be a beacon for anybody. And uh, if you ever, I don't know if it's still there, but for a long time, uh, the parking lot of Calvary and Beaumont, whenever you left, there's a sign that said, you are now entering the mission field. And it's like, it's such a convicting thing because, you know, people get on to you like, why'd you go? to the other side of the world to tell people about Jesus when there's people right next door that need to hear. And it's like, you know, sometimes you do. I always was convicted that, and it was Scooter of all people. It's like, you know, sometimes you have to get out of that comfort zone to really do well. But, you know, they're right. You know, there's people next door. There's people down the street. You know, people like to say, you know, America is a Christian nation. Well, sure, but about half of those people don't go to church. And of those, half of only about half of them would even claim Christ, and of those, about only half of them are actually doing his work. Yeah, I mean, if you if you really look at the, um, if you want to know how bad idolatry is in America, go to a go to a foreign country where they don't have anything. Yeah, to idol. Yeah, I mean, we've had so many missionaries come through our church and and talk about how they got clean running water to a village, or how there's been orphans just dumped on their front porch and we've, you know, built places for them to sleep outside of the heat or the cold or whatever. You know, these people don't have anything. And we're sitting here on Sunday watching the NFL and keeping up with J.J. Watt's million-dollar contract. And these people are just hoping for a drop of water and a basket of bread to keep their family fed. That's how much idolatry is a problem in the United States. Yeah, that's why I think like fasting just from anything can just show you like, and you know, even actually fasting from food, like doing it, you know, that just for one day, you know, you learn what's really important in your life. I forget what the statistic was, but the amount of food that we as America throw out at the end of the day could feed like, I think it's like half of the world's population. Wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I know the stuff you and I eat because Lord knows you and I. There's not a lot left over. No, there's none left. (laughs) But I mean, it, you know, that's, we laugh and we make a joke about it. We're, we are really, you know, serious about the, um, you know, just the state of people's hearts. And that's why we want to talk about it because I, I would say, 
Um, you know, yeah, we're working on, we're working on being, we're working on it. Yeah. We're working on it about being better Christians and not having false idols in our, in our life. Um, but I can say I've, I've overconquered, you know, I've, I've conquered a lot of that. Yeah. Because as long as I have a Bible on my desk and I keep it on my desk right next to me while I work all day and I'll crack open the word when I'm struggling or feeling even on, on high Island, man, I'm cracking it open because it's not just in the, it's not just in the down times. It's not just in the up times. It just needs to be all the time that we're cracking this thing open and, and learning what God has to say. Yeah. Like some people say like, you know, how often are you reading a scripture and you go oh, every now and then it's like, well, it should be every now and then every day. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I like about scooters, uh, Sunday school is we get a reading plan. So you're in that word every day. And you know, like ours was the book of Hosea this week, but, um, this was what really stuck out to me out of all, you know, all seven chapters, um, but seven chapters, seven chapters of Hosea. I thought it was longer. Yeah, it's longer than that. Well, we only did, we only did. Oh wait, we only did five chapters. <laughs> three. We only did three through seven. Um, there was a seven in there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, idolatry is just a big problem and it's a big problem on a lot of people's hearts and it could be a big problem to the person sitting in the pew next to you. So, I mean, I would encourage everybody, don't be ashamed of talking about it because if you don't talk about it, you don't reconcile it, it's going to overcome even more. Yeah. And I think, you know, we live in an area where, you know, hurricanes have taken people's houses you know, I go further north, you deal with people, tornadoes have taken their houses, you know. You got to sit there and think, what if that happened? Like if a storm surge came and there was nothing in your house that was salvageable, nothing, not even a picture on a wall, you know, would you just have the, well, got to buy me a new house now. You know, it's just a house. I can get another one. You know, are you going to have that attitude? Are you going to sit there and think that favorite? I have that. I have that. You know, there's a, there was a, a friend of mine, actually an old roommate, um, Brian Wibker, if you're listening, this I believe came from you, but it was a lady out in, um, oh, it was a daily on Texas. I think, um, she had her house burned to the ground like three times and they asked, I guess the local news asked her or something. I don't remember exactly how the story goes, but somebody asked her, you know, how do you handle having your house burnt down three times? And she's like, it's just a house. We'll rebuild it. And I'm like, I wish I could have that vote of confidence when I heard that story that that was be as calm as I would be. Moving to Southeast Texas scared the ever loving daylights out of me when I knew that hurricanes were a real thing. Because in North Texas, we profit off of hurricanes. Oh, big time. All the evacuees coming in. Move up, spend their money. We get a little bit of rain. Crops grow. Hey, hey, we're good. But, and then they go away. Yeah. They've dumped all their money on their hurricanes, and then they go away, right? Um, and But now, you know, especially this year. This year was stressful. We had hurricane after hurricane after hurricane after hurricane. All while having COVID. Yeah, and I'm like... 
we, me and Jarrett literally had to, you know, we evacuated up to North Texas with my family while I'm watching this hurricane, Laura, about to come demolish my house. And then at the last minute, whoop, took a, you know, took a westerly turn or easterly turn. But I'm like, you know, at that time I was like, it's just a house. You know, and you, we saw that with Harvey, you know, y'all, I mean, I have the best picture ever taken from Harvey. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we, we saw that, you know, we saw, um, people just making light of these situations. They lost everything, everything. And yet they're out playing in the water and you just sit there and think, you know, that person is definitely, they recognize the weight of it, but you know, you just have to learn to let things go. Yeah. Nothing. And that's the thing. That's what you really want to tell everybody. This thing that you're putting faith in, it's not permanent. And, you know, one of the things uh, in that passage in Hosea talked about uh, their wooden gods, their wooden idols. And, you know, I've met people who say um, they have their own god that they created with their own imagination. And I said, you know, that's all fine and good. But when you die, that god dies with you. Yeah. And there is nothing standing beside you whenever you have to stand before God on the final judgment. Again, impermanence. Yeah. Like, it. It is a thing. Everything physical on this earth will go will go away. What do you have leading up to that is what's important. Do you have faith in Christ? Do you have love in your heart? Do you have uh, you know have you been a great disciple for Jesus through your walk here? Because those are the things that are going to matter later. Those are the permanent things. Or did you sit there and watch NFL keeping up with J.J. Watt's $100 million contract? Ooh, it's $100 million now? Well, that's what it was like yeah, five years ago. Doesn't matter. But, um, you know, and I, I think a good uh, kind of a point to kind of wrap things up is, you know, we talk about idolatry and, you know, most people here that go, well, you're a hypocrite. And it's like, you know, we're not saying get rid of all your stuff. No. You know, I think a good passage comes from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, which um, kind of context is the Israelites are going into the promised land. They're finally deciding, hey, you know what? We don't like the desert. So uh, starting I, in verse 10. I definitely would not like the desert. <laughs> uh, starting in uh, verse 6, uh when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And it's... You know, the, I mean, you can say it's the idea is having stuff isn't wrong. It isn't. Just don't forget its source and don't forget who you answer to at the end of the day. Yeah, don't don't forget where the stuff comes from and what it's in your possession for. That's why, you know, you know, tithing and stewardship is so important, especially stewardship. Stewardship is you know, giving giving something of yours to the church. And I'm not talking the church building. I'm not talking the business financials of the church. I'm talking about Christ Church. 
your spiritual gifts can be a stewardship, you know, your love can be a stewardship, a lot of different things can be stewardship. We're not talking just about money, but it's recognizing what you have in your possession and how are you exalting Christ through those things. Yeah, and that actually wasn't the passage I was thinking of, but it was very similar. The one I was actually thinking of is an eight. Also starting in verse 10. How about that? There you go. It's when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and decrees that I am giving you to this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just such a simple formula. It really is, but we struggle so much as being humans with it. Especially living in America. I mean, we're... That's like, when I, that's like what we talked about last podcast. Literally, the poorest of poor here... Are still richer than the rest of the world. I mean, or a we, good chunk they, of it, at least. they have cell phones, they have cars, they have data plans. They're not going they hungry. They have houses. Yeah. If not apartments. Or just at least a roof yeah, and a I bed. Mean, th- I mean, there are literally, you know, like uh, our, our church affiliate, Chris, in Uganda. Literally orphans just dumped on the side of the road like garbage. That he rescues every day. And then, you know, the time I was in India, there was, we might call it a neighborhood, they call it a village, of these just clay houses with, you know, grass. And, you know, I'm 6'3", you know, I'm having to almost crouch all the way down just to get in this door, and it's just a one-room thing. And, you know, they don't have indoor plumbing in that. They don't have a toilet, you know. There might be one toilet for the entire village to use. It reminds me of when I went, I didn't really grasp this concept of how blessed we are in America with things and materialistic things until I went to Honduras um, on, on our honeymoon. Actually, it was a stop on our cruise and we went clear bottom kayaking and that was really me and Callie's first marriage counseling lesson. A speedboat went right in front of us and all this wake is coming into our clear bottom kayak and... She's over here like, hey, baby, we're sinking. I was like, no, we're not. It's just the weight coming in and just keep pedaling. So she, I would, we would paddle and she's like, hey, we're sinking. I'm like, no, we're not. We're fine. Like you're in the back of the front. I'm in the front. Oh, she's in the back. And I'm like, we're fine. So I said, just keep paddling. And she's like, excuse me, turn around. And she is like sitting in this kayak like water up to her neck and i was like oh my gosh we're sinking she's like yeah (laughs) so did you know the process of how to unswamp your boat yep well it really wouldn't have helped us because the drain plug was open on the bottom oh okay so i do know how to i know how to swamp a boat yeah get upside down (laughs) yep and uh but this i hear this guy going I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And I mean, he's just racing out to us on this, one of those unsinkable, like styrofoam filled kayaks. And uh, there's fire coral, right, fire coral right underneath us, Ooh. like poking out. Of, you know, my wife's like, 
I am not getting out of this boat. And I was like, and you're going to get stung by the fire coral. And this guy goes, okay, you get under here first. And I whoop right over into that boat. And uh, she's like, Mm-mm, I ain't moving. I was like, get over here now. So she finally gets over. And I am paddling. And I feel very tired. And I realize she's not paddling anymore. She's like, I'm done. <laughs> I was like, great. That sounds like my sister, though. So I paddle all the way to shore, and we get to this beach area. And I'm like, I don't think this is our beach. Literally, people coming out of the woods, out of the jungle, coming with like little wooden trinkets and stuff. And I'm like, get back in the canoe. Get back in the canoe. So, Roll them up. Yeah. So this guy is literally on the other side of this big jetty. He's like, over here, you got to come over here. And I was like, oh my gosh. We so, got to walk. So I went all the way around this big long jetty and back again. And the guy was like, I'm so glad y'all made it. You know, I'm so sorry. The, the drain plug wasn't in. And I was like, it's no big deal. Thanks for all your help. And I gave him like 20 bucks as a little side tip of saving our lives from fire coral. And I thought he was going to choke me out. He was so happy. I was like, dude, it's just a 20. And he said, you don't understand. This will help feed my family for a long time. And I'm like, you just don't grasp it until something of that magnitude that you either do or witness or a part of. You don't. You just don't understand the magnitude of what we have, and how our country is just not being a good steward of it. And it's easy to take stuff for granted. It it really is. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's a problem, and I think we all need to work on it. Um, you know, even me and Matthew, we work on it on a day to day basis. Yep, we find stuff. Of course, I've been kind of very humbled recently. Um, you know, I I had a mental health episode and was fired for it. And then got another job somewhere and ended up losing that job. And just like the story of everybody, you know, you apply and apply and apply and apply and apply and nothing happens. And, you know, you're, you get on, you have to swallow your pride and get on unemployment. You know, it's not enough to pay the rent. So you're dipping into your savings. And then eventually you're just like, what's a guy to do? You know, you realize. I'm running out of time and I'm running out of options. I got to make a decision. And so I'm going back to school. And but I'm so excited you're back, though. Like, I'm so excited you're back at Beaumont. Yeah, I guess I am, too. I just wish COVID wasn't going on because. Yeah, you could do a lot more. But, I mean, honestly, as long as you have a Bible in your hand and you can run. Yeah. You know, it, it, it it's humbling because <laughs> I don't have the money to go get my own place, yeah. you know? And so I have to shack up with my parents and <laughs> it's hard to be proud whenever that's your situation. I ask your mom and dad on the weekly when I can move back in with them, <laughs> but no, it's just, it's, it's really hard. And so, you know, I've been telling people a lot, like, you know, for the next year, year and a half, two years, however long it is that I'm here, Every so often, I'm going to be very not okay. It's yeah. just going to happen, so you just got to be ready for it. And it's so humbling, and you know, there was all these things. 
I've never been a very high maintenance person. I've never, I've always been a relatively humble person. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, you know, I have stuff. I could literally sit on the couch, sit on the floor, and just stare off at a space for hours and be content doing that. I think I've walked in on the happening. Yeah. There's a lot of times, you know, after a long run, I've, I, I'll be sweaty and I don't like to hop into the shower right away. You know, I like to cool off. Otherwise, I keep sweating after a shower, even if I take a cold shower. So I just like to sit on the floor. I don't want to sit on the furniture and get it all sweaty. And I'll just be sitting there. Just you and your around, thoughts. Just sitting around, twiddling my thumbs. But I think, you know, even in kind of a... What's perceived as a defeat for you... You still recognize, like the other day, I asked you, hey, man, are you okay? You're like, I don't want to get into it right now. We'll talk about it later. Well, I mean, if anything, my idol in that situation is my privacy, yeah. my alone time, and I don't have that anymore. No, you don't. I don't. I have, all, I have high school privacy, which is a closed door that mom can open at any time. And it's... So that's going to be the hardest one for me to... Yeah, they used to have little ball bearings, but both of them came off over the and years. They open so easily, it's just oh yeah, tink, 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 yeah. Tink. They used to seal shut. Yeah, there's no locking mechanism on your nope. door. No, there's not. Except for like a pile of clothes in front of it. Yeah, I guess. I, c- I guess I could put something heavy in front of it. But so yeah, I guess yeah, I guess the iPod and the. Of course, I have done with that, and I've thought about that a lot because you know over the time over the years it's. You know, like people ask me on like how old is it? Like, you know, on average it's like I think six years, six and a half years old or something. The oldest piece on it is like twelve years old and eventually I'm not gonna be able to use it anymore. Eventually iTunes is gonna shut down and I could use rockware on it, but that's not any good and then in permanence. Yeah. And so I, every day I just every now and then I think about like We'll have a funeral for it. <laughs> I won't throw it away because I, I'm a tech kind of guy, so it'll just sit in a drawer with my other iPods. But, and I just like tech stuff, and maybe one day I can learn how to make something cool out of it. But, or maybe I'll just end up being a hoarder. Hey, I hope that doesn't happen because I've seen hoarding. Like, have you ever watched that show? Actually, there was a guy. You want to talk about mental health episode? I get anxiety just watching it. There was a guy I met. I uh, met him through a tragedy. Uh, I was still a news reporter at the time. This is around July 4th. It might have been actually on July 4th. I can't remember, but it was, I think it was two years ago. Two, Yeah, two years ago. Uh, his, I can't think of the guy's name. I could probably look it up in my phone. But um, he was the CEO of Groveton EMS. Now, Groveton is the county seat for tr- uh, Trinity County, which is a very... Sp- Lightly populated and relatively, actually quite poor county in East Texas. Uh, He turned down working for an EMS company that he made a pretty decent living in to work there and make substantially less, but he is the only provider for a rather large, a relatively large county that not a lot of people live in. So he's all over the place, the only provider. Well, his house burned down. His house slash headquarters burned to the ground and not only that people who knew him he didn't say it but you'd see his brain you could tell he was a hoarder he had a lot of stuff but you know i interviewed him like any good reporter would because that's what you do and yeah i don't like to be rude to people i don't like to just shove a camera in people's face i didn't like doing that but you know he just kind of had the attitude of 
nothing I can do about it now. And, you know, I don't know if this guy had made a profession of faith. I don't know if this guy was a Christian or not. I have no idea. That's beside the point. But, you know, within hours of his house and headquarters burning to the ground, people from hundreds of miles away are like, hey, what can I donate to you? Hey, I have some extra oxygen tanks. Can they help? And, you know, some construction site had given him a, uh, you know, those little trailers they use for offices on construction sites? They gave him one of those for headquarters. Thankfully, just pure luck, his ambulances, his two ambulances weren't close to the house. And so he ended up really not even missing a beat. And, you know, you think about it, God will provide things. You don't have to worry about permanent things in your life. Yeah. And it's just, it was just crazy seeing all the stuff that happened to that guy. And it was just, I've, <laughs> when you're a news reporter for four years, even one year, you meet a lot of people, you hear a lot of stories, you get to be front row seat to a lot of things. But that was always one that kind of stuck with me. And Yeah, that's like uh, the Lord's Prayer. When we have the section of, please, Lord, give us our daily bread. Yeah, give us our daily bread. and Yes, you know, give us our daily... Sustenance, you know, yeah. Sustenance, right. I mean, it's not... It, it's more figurative. Yeah, it's not literally, give me a loaf of bread. Right. I mean, in some fashions, it can be. It's you know, food, shelter, food, clothing. Water, you know, the things that are essential to life. And the word is essential to life. So... You know, what are we filling our life with? Stuff or scripture and knowledge of scripture, theology, love. You know, I mean, those are big things that we have to have, you know, because like Matthew said, one day we will have that accountant. We'll stand in front of Christ and he's either going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, or he's going <clears> to <throat> or he's gonna say, well, you know, welcome, good and faithful servant. And I don't know about y'all, but I would rather live today for that come on in, good and faithful servant. It's a daily struggle, and we all need to work on it. It's not even a day. It's a minutely struggle. I mean, there's a lot of things that can take precedence over something else. But the one thing that needs to be permanently taking precedence over anything else is our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'd say, you know, analyze your life and just look at everything around you and just think, if I lost this in a fire, if somebody broke in and stole this, if a hurricane washed this away, you need to just stop and say, you know, even if it holds sentimental value to you, you just need to say, you know what, you know, if your dad bought you something 20 years ago that you really, really care about, you know, your dad didn't buy you that so you would cherish the thing he bought. The idea of it will never die. It's still with you. Yeah, I mean, it's like, look around my room, our, our podcast room. I have paintings done by my uncle who passed away when I was 18. I have my first ever deer head, um, my third, my fourth, you know, first and only bobcat that I've ever got. You know, I've got both me and Callie's college degrees in here. A lot of stuff that's just not replaceable. But I don't pack it up when a hurricane comes. If it's gone, it's gone. I can't take it with me. It, I I still know that I graduated college. I still know that he painted those paintings. I still know that I shot those deer. It that those are just memories. And they and they hold a significance, but that shouldn't be the things that I'm packing in my truck to take with me if 
another hurricane coming. So I think kind of to wrap things up, I'd encourage you if you're listening, try to just go over things in your life and think, you know, if I lost them, what would I be most devastated about? And I'd say learn to do without it. You know, um, you know, if the politics is your thing, see how long you can go without reading something, watching something, listening to something, or thinking about it. And anytime you want, like, treat it like a fast. Anytime you think about it, want it, or anything, pray. Read scripture, study theology, sing if that's your thing. Yeah, I mean, I think if social media, that's a big one we didn't we didn't even get to jump in on. But social media, uh, sex, power, greed, jo- your job. One we didn't get is narcissism. Nar- yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, we, making yourself an idol. That could be a whole different podcast. Can. With social media and the way it is today, but... Um, you know, I mean, to the little things like, you know, um, a gun, a, uh, TV set, PS4, five now, um, anything like that. If it's, I remember the first PlayStation. Anyway, if those are the things that are taking precedence in your life, like Matthew said, do a fast or just look at it and say, could I give that to somebody to help further their relationship in Christ? Or could I not part with that because let me tell you people you don't want to be the rich young ruler no you don't and you know it's better to be poor on earth and then be rich in heaven than be wealthy in hell because that doesn't exist that's not a thing (laughs) as always we're working on it hey i enjoyed it we're working on it that's right uh we'll post our reading schedules on facebook um and there's like six other platforms you can listen to us now on spotify breaker pocket cast um i'll post them all on 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 uh, facebook so you can follow along with whatever oh we're on google podcast now google podcast yeah so so this is new to me i don't know where all this stuff goes that's a that's a new one um still trying to work on getting on apple podcast because it's like 60 percent of podcast users but i uh uh, Christmas is coming up. It's a Christmas, week from... Snow's coming, coming down. down. Yeah. Christmas. I'm watching it fall. Christmas. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, Christmas is coming up. New Year's is going to come up. So I don't know when the next time you and I will get together to record one of these. I don't know, but let's talk about your trip. Um, when you get back. Yeah, when I get back. Going skiing. Going skiing. That'll be good. That'll be good. I'm not a skier. I've seen every episode of Man vs. Wild, Man, Woman, Wild, and Dual Survival. So if I get stuck out there overnight, I'm good. Just take your cell phone and we'll do a podcast via satellite. Well, the, what you doing, brother? It's too, cold to survive. The, it's too cold and the battery dies really fast. So, <laughs> And you know, remember I, back like 20 years ago, whenever you, your phone wasn't, you didn't have a signal and you had to say, oh, you had to probably have to climb a mountain to get a signal. Well, that's not true because the mountains are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where that whole false thing of climbing a mountain to get better service really came from. It's not, the altitude is not really going to help you. No, it's irrelevant. I don't know why we thought that. But anyway. Maybe because we thought we were getting closer to the satellite. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know where it came from. It really just has to do if there's a tower in your area. Pretty much. So, but yeah, we'll talk about your trip. That'll be fun. It'll be fun. I mean, I'm not a skier, but you're like super pumped about it. Yeah, so. yeah. Who to thunk it that some kid that grew up grew up in Gulf Coast, Texas, 
would be that good at skiing. Hey, I mean, there's not a lot of waves to surf. So. No, I was never good at that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Woohoo!